This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, actors, agents, managers, showrunners, <laughs> Emmy award-winning lyricists, etc., etc., etc. Package it up into this podcast, starring Trevor, myself, and my computer fan, and throw <laughs> it up on the internet uh, for you folks at home. That's right, you know, and we're, we're two dudes that are doing this. We're now bi-coastal. I'm over here in L.A. where it is 6.46 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday morning, and A.J. is in New York where it is 9.46 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Um, hence, uh, I think our voices are probably a little groggy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're just two dudes who wanted to, who were looking for the answers. Uh, we didn't start this web, this podcast because we wanted to create some sort of system and and claim to have all the answers for people. We're just kind of publicly searching and hoping that people find value uh, in that public search. So if you hear something on the show that you really dig or that you disagree with, either way, we'd love to hear from you. And you can find out uh, how to leave us a voicemail, send us an email, leave a comment on our website, all that stuff over at uh, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on this episode, we've got part two of our chat with my chat, I should say with Kevin Murphy, a showrunner of Sci-Fi's Defiance and a lyricist and co-book writer for Heather's The Musical. Stick around for that. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 135. AJ, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm East-ish. East-ish. <laughs> and I'm good, man. I'm, you know, we, uh, we start our 10 out of 12s today, which, um, mm. for those of you who don't do a lot of theater, that means, usually means tech rehearsals, and it usually means 10 hours of rehearsing. Uh, per day, so I have rehearsal uh, from like noon to eleven. Yeah, and ten, and ten out of twelve that officially refers to how many hours you are actually doing work versus how many hours you're expected to be around. Is that right? Yeah, it's something like that. It's it has to do with the um, the equity rules for how many hours that you know an actor can be working. Yeah. Um, and there's certain rules, like for instance, there needs to be, um, I think, a 12-hour turnaround or something like that. So, in other words, um, you know, they have to give you rest time. They have to get, they you have to be able to like sleep, you know, <laughs> essentially. Why? So, I don't get that. I, Why? Why would you do that? Because, see, the thing about us humans. Um, <laughs> 
So, so if you think about it, if there needs to be a twelve-hour turnaround, turnaround that leaves twelve hours of the day left to actually um, be rehearsing. So, of those twelve remaining hours, you are working ten. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we're working from noon to eleven, which is eleven hours, but we get an hour and a half lunch or hour and a half dinner. Right. So, right. anyway, all that to say, I'm doing well. I'm just um, I'm a bit knackered, but but life is good. I'm still learning a lot about New York and the New York market. Had some really interesting conversations that are both allowing me and forcing me to learn very quickly um, about the about the market out here. So, anything to share? Any specific stories? Yeah, the, well, the one that comes to mind is I went to this. Um, it's funny because it actually turned out to be a kinds of kind of masterminds ish. But uh, a friend of mine from college wanted to put together just a, a bunch of um, actors and artists, uh, actors and other artists, um, to talk about the biz and uh, what we're up to and support each other. And it, it was very, it was very much like actor salon ish. Cool. Um, cool. And uh, it was cool. And one of the girls that was there uh, was talking about booking summer was the words she kept using booking summer if i don't book summer then maybe i'll just you know stick around here and get a job and and make some money so that i can book christmas or book something in the fall what i'm what i'm learning through comments like that and comments that other people have made um because my my friend that i went to college with actually said at a breakfast a few days before that something about oh you guys are here at a good time because all the all the old contracts are just running up and the new ones will be starting soon so basically like LA things sort of move in in seasons and it's not a hard and fast rule but the 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 seasons out here have to do with theater and so when she what she means by booking summer she literally means like booking something either in the city or a tour or a cruise or something for the summer and then coming back and booking something for the fall or booking something for Christmas. So the, the, the actors in New York play this, this game of the cyclical seasonal theater. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. You know, they were talking about auditioning for replacements for shows and, you know, that uh, the casting directors will be required by equity to have auditions at a certain point, like once a year or something. And sometimes they will be looking for replacements for a show. Sometimes they won't be. If they are looking for replacements for a show, uh, you know, you have a good shot uh, at those auditions. If they aren't, they're just a required audition and you just go in and, and sometimes the, the casting director is cool enough to be like, we're not looking for replacements, so let's just have some fun. And then, of course, if you do well on that audition, that might put you on like a short list for that casting director so that they call you back in when they actually are looking for a replacement or they're looking for somebody like you for another show or what have you. And then also, tr- you know, doing my best to keep up with what is shooting here, uh, both with film and, and, and television and um, I have Jasmine to thank for a lot of that. She's been um, doing a, a ton of research while I'm in, uh, in rehearsals. Uh, you know, she discovered that, for instance, uh, Marvel and Netflix have teamed up 
to shoot uh, like 60 episodes of a Marvel, uh, a Netflix exclusive Marvel show. So I don't know if it's going to be a spinoff of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or, or what have you, but it's going to be mostly, if not all, shot in New York. Sweet. And then you said that once your show opens, which should be very, very soon, you'll have a lot more kind of freedom with your schedule. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'll have eight shows a week and I'll know when I need to be at the theater. So it's not like I can go out, excuse me, it's not like I can go out and start, you know, booking film and television unless um, I'm very clear with them and and they're cool with working with them. with my schedule cool man and then yeah. and your show opens when march 31st technically is the opening uh they're not selling tickets for that because it's just going to be um kind of an invite invite only situation our first performance is on march 15th so we have two weeks of previews we open on the 31st and then it runs indefinitely indefinitely uh they're selling tickets through September, but the contract Sweet. itself is 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 open ended. Now, yeah. when it, when it does open, are you going to um, pick up some sort of thrival job or start building a client base with your computer consultation business out there? I would like to do something along those lines. Yeah, I don't know what yet, but um, <clears throat> I think that it would be good for a number of different reasons. Um, keep me busy, uh, create connections, make new friends, um, build relationships, um, make some additional money, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, I think it would be really supportive and, and also give me something to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) with my, with my daytimes. Um, but yes, the answer is yes. And at some point you're going to want to seek representation out there too. Yeah, uh, that's the other big goal. I, I'm, uh, I'm starting to... One of the things that I... I don't know why it, I didn't think of this before, but um, everything was kind of a, a whirlwind. But one of the things that I did was I, I finally um, reached out to the casting directors of Heathers, who I have a great relationship with, and I was like, Hey, do, do you know a New York? since I'm here now um, and kind of, you know, we're, we're basically friends at this point. So uh, I was able to be really candid with them and, and, and tell them um, about my, my, my rep situation and the fact that I essentially lost my agent, you know, 30 minutes before getting the offer um, to come to New York. So it's all been a learning process, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was that, like I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I have uh, some uh, a question slash offer for our listeners on on the, on the show, but um, we can talk about that after the um, after the interview. And in the meantime, I want to hear about you because this is starting to become the way that <laughs> you and I catch up as friends. <laughs> so I want to know what the hell's going on in your life. Not, not, not a ton, man. I don't have huge updates on my end. Um, I'm trying to think of, of like newsworthy events from the last time that we sat down and recorded. I had a great, uh, photo shoot actually, um, with, uh, I saw those with, uh, a friend of mine, um, named Andrew 
and it was just kind of a random thing. Like I was feeling super pumped after a, a recent P90X3 workout. I sound like such a nerd, but um, <laughs> and so you I know, I, I had a well. I was like, you know, like because when you work out consistently, like your body gets used to having all these endorphins and things kind of running through it. So you you're kind of walking. You're one of those obnoxious people that walks around in a great mood all the time. <laughs> And uh, okay, I, I posted so a I posted a photograph of me just doing the little X three thing, you know, with the arms crossed and the and um, and my friend Andrew saw it and said, "Dude, I'd love to take these kind of black and white, uh, high contrast, you know, photos, kind of like artsy photos of you, uh, kind of in that mode, essentially." And so we got some really cool photos. And what was what was kind of cool about it for me was that I had never done anything like that. And the feedback I've been getting about kind of my look right now, which is, um, kind of long hair, beard, muscular Jesus look, uh, is that it's kind of sons of anarchy ish. I get, I get Jesus a lot. Uh, every once in a while, somebody says something about Wolverine. Um, but sons of anarchy has been something Viking has been something people have been throwing around. So, um, I was like, wouldn't it be cool to kind of embrace a sort of sensuality in photos that are kind of artsy like this, but have the, you know, kind of Sons of Anarchy thing going on with it. So um, it was fun. I, I, I've seen some of the some of the photos, not all of them, but I it was a good experience for me to just kind of get used to being a, a different way in front of a camera uh, and kind of embrace some of that um, sensuality when, where, whereas I think I as an individual and definitely in my work as an actor um, don't go there like ever and so you know I'm starting to kind of open to that that mode of uh, I guess expression it was it was pretty cool it was a pretty cool experience and I think I got to um, explore a different side of myself I think often of what Carrie Bechet said about basically her life with, with acting. She said, it is the most self-examined life. And I thought that was really cool. When you think of, if you think of what we do as actors as, as just kind of like endless, uh, self-exploration and self-examination, it makes it a really fascinating journey, uh, in that kind of context. And so I was kind of thinking about that in the back of my head when I was doing this and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like just another opportunity to figure out what makes me, me tick a kind of on a, a a micro level, but on a macro level, what makes human beings tick and all the different kind of animal instincts we have floating around in us and how they end up expressing themselves. You know, it's, it's kind of fascinating when you look at it that way. Do you think that you will use this new call it energy, call it, photos call it character call it what you will like do you think you'll use it to target particular um shows casting directors opportunities etc i think on the level that i learn to be more authentic in my life um i was talking to porter kelly actually episode um six or something. Uh, Yeah. One of the very first episodes we ever did. And she and I had brunch of the day and you know, she often interns at my uh, agent's office. And she said, literally, she's like, dude, we have nobody that that looks like you right now. And we kind of got into a conversation about 
what it's like to just be authentically you. And there were, you know, dozens and dozens of episodes ago that I went through a little phase where I really wanted to get an eyebrow piercing or something. And, and I was just thinking like, will that kind of mess up my image or make me so much more specific that I'm that much easier to cast? And really it just, it just comes down to like authenticity. Like, who are you? Nobody wants to see a fake version of you. They want to see the real you. And that's, what's going to book. That's what's going to, it's, it's funny. I don't like to think of it that way in terms of like, what's going to get me a job. But like, it's true when you are, I, I believe that when we embrace ourselves as, as completely as possible, like the universe shifts and things start to just line up because there's a big block that's removed when we're not trying to fake something or put on a show or imitate somebody. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the answer to your question, I guess is, I think, I think so, but only, only to the degree that, that I just practice being more and more me in, in, in this time, (laughs) this time, meaning, you know, like where I am in my life. Does your look or the uh, the sensual energy or, or, or who you were being during the photo shoot or whatever, does that make you feel, does that feel inauthentic to you? No, it, it, it's funny when you say who I was being, I, like, I don't know what the, <laughs> I wasn't like trying to be a character or anything. Um, and uh-huh. I think that was, that was the coolest part is every photo shoot prior to that. I mean, I've always a little bit uncomfortable in front of a camera and I always put a, a little bit of a show on as I think many actors do. It's just kind of in our in our blood to to do that, um, and I was just just like, how how real can this be right now? And given the way it was lit and everything, it changed my my experience of of the shoot because usually with headshots, it's a very bright front light. Um, you know, there's like a very kind of uniform thing happening with the light. The background's usually lit pretty well. There's stuff going on. You're wearing a specific outfit, and with this one, I was shirtless. And, uh, the lights were very, um, high, like just a single light source. And it changes the way that you move in the space as an actor. We have, uh, I think an awareness of, of how, I don't know, I guess the, the impact that we're having based on the image that we sense with the light, maybe this is just me, but I feel like it's a thing that actors get kind of instinctually, especially stage actors. And so it just was an, an opportunity to, to play in that space. Uh, I wasn't thinking about like, a character or, or something I was trying to create. It was more like a, of an internal, like, what does this feel like right now? What am I experiencing? And then letting a camera capture it. I think it's a great, I think it's a great experience for you, for any actor, you know, having, having an ability to be authentic and relax and at ease and all that in front of a camera is exactly what we do and exactly what, can make this job so challenging and exciting. Yeah. And yeah. And exciting. Well, as long as you're not, uh, terrified, (laughs) uh, you know, like super nervous or whatever. Um, yeah. The the actor, I don't want to say the great actors, the actors that work all the time, (laughs) the actors that work all the time are the ones that can go and walk into any room, one light source or many light sources, shirtless or not shirtless, (laughs) Uh, you know, what, whatever their look is, whatever, whatever's going on with them, whatever's going on with the people, you know, behind the table and they're comfortable and they make the people behind the table comfortable and they're having fun and they make the people behind the table have fun. And they, and when the cameras start rolling, nothing changes. 
Yeah, yes, exactly. You hit it on the head right there. Nothing changes. So that's awesome. Don't ever say you have nothing going on ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of internal stuff, you know. That, that yeah. turned into a really awesome conversation. have some uh, some emails to get to but uh want to uh, introduce our patron of the week i do yeah to the end of the episode yeah so um we have a new patron this week uh his name is jack perry uh his email on his email came through is john perry but his name is actually jack perry and i believe he's actually in new york in his email to us he said i'm sorry about all the trash aj i've never seen so much trash on the street in new york yeah. yeah, he says he says yet to uh, he has yet to uh, um, send us his blurb or his bio basically, but um, he's got a great reel over up on Vimeo, which we'll link to uh, on our um, show notes here, as well as a website which is being updated right now. But we'll we'll throw the episode. Or I'm sorry, the website, Jack. If this is okay with you, we'll throw it up in the show notes as well. Um, so people can check out his work, but he's, uh, I think he's going to, I think there's some big things in store for him. So, um, very honored Jack to have you uh, as one of our patrons to have your support and, um, excited to see uh, what's next in your career because he's clearly done some work already. So it's, it's pretty cool to have him on our, on our team. And so if you're, if you're still in New York, come see the show. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we got an email from, uh, Adra that we want to kind of respond to real quickly. And this is a good one. This is a really, really good one. So Adra says that she got cast on the third season of a non-union TV series as a principal actor, principal character. And about two months ago, they, um, Oh, that was about two months ago. And they've been shooting for the past month, but she's gotten frustrated a lot due to the scheduling. For example, they'll tell her that she needs to be filmed on certain days. She's called for certain days. And with that information, she goes and cancels work for those days. She clears her social commitments. She does everything that she's supposed to do to make sure that she's available those days. And then the night before that she's supposed to be on set, they tell her that actually she's not needed. She's already canceled her work. She's found substitutes for her, for her. She's a yoga teacher. So she's found substitutes. So she's jobless for the day, basically. And she's cleared all this stuff. And now she has nothing to do. And she says one time, they they never even gave her a call time for the day she was scheduled to, to be on set and film. Um, she said she contacted the production coordinator in the evening and then again in the morning and never heard anything until about three o'clock that day. Uh, and then she was told then that she didn't need to come in. And she had actually turned down another gig that she had booked that conflicted with this shoot. And that this has happened not once, but many, many times. So she's obviously frustrated um, that the communication's not happening, that she's kind of getting screwed on two sides of the equation here. Uh, and she wanted to know kind of what our, our thoughts were. Specifically, have either of us run into anything like this? Uh, and then also, does it happen often? And then if it does, uh, how, do, how does one deal with it? So I can see you, AJ, in the chat window, kind of like rubbing your eyes, like in a frustrated way. So what, what's your response? Me, this makes me so mad. Like, I'm so angry right now. I was angry when I read 
the email and I'm angry at him right now. It is bringing up so many negative emotions for me right now. Uh, I, I just, I'm so, I get so pissed off when this happens to, to, to actors. So, so what I want to do is kind of empower her to be responsible about how she's allowing this to happen. A lot of actors tend to feel like the industry is happening to them as opposed to them making waves in, in the industry or, or, or taking up space in, in the industry. So if there's anything Trevor or myself would, would always, always, always strive to do is to empower empower actors. This is exactly why Trevor and I have taken Mark Gant's advice and run with it. If you are going to do something like this, ask for $100 a day. That's it. Like, uh, you know, just a hundred bucks a day because it changes your value perception with these people. And I know Trevor will back me up on this because, you know, it's just something we really, really believe in. And the thing is, is like on a practical level, if they called you and then you don't work, they still have to pay you that hundred dollars a day, your day rate. So so, So, so you're getting paid. That's, that's number one. Number two, you can walk away at any time and there will be very little consequence other than maybe these people won't want to work with you anymore. But if this is the way that they treat their actors, you don't want to work with them anymore or ever again. Oh, there's so much about this that, that really, really just gets under my skin. Yeah, this is this is extremely frustrating. So I, I totally get it, Adra. Um, thank you for the question. I don't really have anything to add uh, beyond what what AJ said. I mean, it, this has never happened to me. Uh, in my experience, it does not happen often in the industry. Um, but if it did, uh, you know, once or twice, like I understand things get mixed up. Film sets are really busy. Um, production coordinators uh, have a lot on their plate. So I get it if it happens once, maybe twice. But like multiple times, um, they get to respect the people that they're working with. And yeah, if this is if this is kind of the way the production is run without much integrity, um, and you've already voiced your, your thoughts, Adra, I would have to have a serious sit down with them and say, listen, I kind of have a three-strike policy, maybe something along those lines. And just say, like, mm-hmm. I, I can't do this anymore. And if it keeps happening, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, Tim Ferriss well, says it really well. He says, you know, fire your, your high-maintenance clients. And even though they're his customers, technically, he looks at it the other way around. You know, it's a gig, and we never want to get rid of it, let go of a gig, and work begets work. And, you know, you, there's a lot of good things that could come from really anything, including getting good footage. But at the same time, if it's really impacting your life and your integrity and it's messing with your kind of self-worth a little bit, which it would for me, if I was in this situation, I would sit down and say enough's enough and set uh, some sort of boundary in place. Yes, I totally agree. And, and you did end up um, sparking my, my memory here. The third thing I wanted to say is you know, she said it's the third season of of this um, of this whatever it is TV yeah. show, web series, whatever. It's a yeah, like, TV series. It, it, they know, they should know what they're doing. They should know what they're doing, and the fact that they don't is 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 ridiculous. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know if you have representation or not, Adra. It's not mentioned in the email. Maybe you can follow up with us 
um, after we've we've addressed this. But you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that your representation could uh, handle um, as well. It, it helps you to not be the um, the quote unquote bad guy in their eyes. You're not the bad guy, by the way, by doing any of the things that Trevor or I have suggested in terms of having a, a, a talk with them or whatever. Um, you're not the bad guy at all, but um, having representation is really supportive because then they can be the ones to actually be like, if she's not going to be called the set and you're scheduling her, then she needs to be paid anyway. And those yeah. kinds of conversations. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, hope that helps Adra. This is a great question. Thank you so much for writing in with it. And, uh, if any other actors out there have similar stories and, um, have suggestions on how they kind of handle it, I would love to hear it. I know we'd both love to hear it. So feel free to uh, email the show, call, leave us a voicemail, or even chime in on our Facebook group with your experience with this kind of thing. So thanks again, Adra. Uh, I think we're, we're tight on time. So let's roll into the interview part two with Kevin. Cool. Yeah. Um, we have, we have a second email, but we'll get to it in, uh, maybe the next episode. Yeah. It's, it's, Um, it's such a good question. Sorry to cut you off, dude. It's such a good question. I just don't want to feel like we're rushed to. Yeah, totally. I, I, I completely agree. Um, so, uh, Michael, we got your email. Uh, it's a fantastic question or, or series of questions in that email, uh, we definitely want to take some time to respond to it. So don't want to rush it or try to, you know, pack it into a small space here in this episode. So we'll get it into the next one. Cool. All right. So without further ado, Kevin Murphy, part two. <laughs> <laughs> You're a poet. You didn't even know it. All right. Enjoy guys. We'll catch you on the other side. Do you want to talk about you as a as a composer, as a lyricist, and one of the things, one of the ways I thought it'd be fun to kind of bridge the two worlds is to talk about the um, <clears throat> the, the the year that you won the Emmy for Reefer Madness. You were I I just found this on you know IMDb or whatever. You were nom- also nominated for Housewives. For Housewives. So was it? I, I'm I'm curious about your experience that night, having like gone through this whole journey, uh, been a, a television writer and all that, and, and gotten to this place, and then you won a, a, a really prestigious award for something that you loved doing back in, you know, your days in high school and college. Like, w- well, here here's what, one of the things that was interesting was, um, I, I, the the Emmy that I won for for Madness was for. Uh, Original music and lyrics, uh, mm-hmm. which, which I shared with Dan Studney, who was uh, who was my partner in crime on *Reef of Madness*. Uh, those awards that are not the big, sexy, like outstanding comedy, best actor, best supporting actor. Uh, those awards are done the Sunday before the televised awards. Mm. And that's where you have your production designer award, your choreography award, your you know your whatever else awards they are, but it's a dress rehearsal for the televised version. So it's the exact same ceremony with the exact same camera and the exact same food and the exact same after party, but it's all done as a dress rehearsal for the one that they're televising. Mm -hmm. So on one Sunday I went to 
VMEs, and we did a whole thing, and shocker of shockers, Reefer Madness won, and it was fantastic, <laughs> and went to the party afterwards, and it was just totally, totally great. And then the next day, you know, I brought, you know, I brought my Emmy Award into work, and it was all, it was all exciting, and uh, we were all thinking, like, oh, Mark's going to totally win for Housewives, because it's, you know, cause, you know, it was like the first year of Desperate Housewives, it was a very hot show, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I got to go to the Emmys the next, a week later. Yeah, and it was the last year of Everybody Loves Went Raymond, and they won. Oh, and then we went to work next day because everybody's like an asshole. They're like, "Hey, you know, oh, Ken, why don't you bring your Emmy in again?" Or like, okay, just shut up, just shut up. Just oh shut up. <laughs> God, let's not talk about that at all. Um, so, so it was really bittersweet then. Uh, you, you know what? It, it's I. For for me, it was all. It, it's all. It, it, it's it's all sweet. Um, it was it was great, and I think just uh, being able to go and being part of it with you know, with Housewives was just. Yeah, I don't know that, that I'm ever going to be a place in my career where I'm going to get like two Emmy nominations for two different projects at the same time again. And the fact that it happened once uh, makes me happy, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So. Uh, here we are. We're in uh, New York, in actually sitting in the space where we are rehearsing currently the off-Broadway uh, production of, of Heather's, and this has been a, a passion project of yours and uh, and Andy's uh, and Larry's for a long time. Do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about how you guys got started, where the idea came from? Well, it started with um, Andy Cohen, producer, uh, thought Heather's would be a great idea for a musical. Uh, he, uh, he enlisted the two people he knows who do theater, which are J. Todd Harris and Amy Powers. Um, and they decided, okay, well, we'll pursue that. They started talking to, uh, Dan Waters, the original screenwriter's manager, Bobby Thompson. And then, uh, Todd and Andy both knew, uh, Andy Fickman, who was the director of Reefer Madness. And they got Andy Fickman excited and on board because as the director, because Andy, uh, you know, is a huge Heather's fan. Uh, Andy's first, uh, requirement was that they talked to me about uh, coming aboard creatively because, you know, we did Reefer Madness together and Andy and I just, you know, we like working together. And whenever there's a chance, we try to work together. Uh, I came on board and then we decided we wanted to get Larry O'Keefe. Uh, Larry wasn't sure that Heather's should be turned into a musical. He wasn't sure it could successfully be turned into a musical. And he, um, he was very cagey with us for uh, a good six or seven months and mm-hmm. I remember we had a summit at Coffee Bean or Tea Leaf where I showed him a lyric for a song that uh, eventually became Dead Gay Son and he had a lot of notes <laughs> and a lot of questions and uh, I think that over time the idea of wouldn't it be cool to do Heathers by the time we actually got the rights from Damn Waters we, uh, we were able to articulate why Heathers should be a musical. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another example of, it's always great when you don't do anything too fast. And I, I, I said it before about like being successful at a young age too, can be dangerous. Um, getting in a room with Dan Waters immediately would have been catastrophic for us because it took us a good six or seven months to get in the room with him. And by the time we did, we really had a clear idea on what it was that we wanted the show to be. Yeah. So when Larry finally uh, agreed and came aboard, 
we had locked down the, you know, we had locked down the rights and we had tracked down the rest of the rights, which were held by Lakeshore Entertainment. And, uh, we kind of had an idea why we wanted to tell, you know, to tell the story. And, you know, long, long, long story short is that Heather's originally was bleak, nihilistic and dark, dark, dark. And it was a response to the 1980s Reagan era when people were being told everything is awesome, like in the Lego movie. Oh my and God. It's yeah. morning in America and everything is just so fantastic and just look out for yourself and everything is, is great. And Heather's asked the question, you know, would, you know, throw up a flag and said, no, that's, that's not the case. And as in Dan Waters words, he, uh, he took a stick and he hit the uh, pinata full of maggots that was dangling above the generation of the 1980s. Um, what we decided to do for uh, our take on Heather's was because we're living in a very different context than Dan was when he wrote the original screenplay. We're living in an era where everything is snarky, every, everyone is suspicious about everything, everything is decidedly not awesome, hmm. and everyone expects the worst of everyone else. And for Larry and I, the most subversive thing that we could possibly do is be genuinely sentimental and hopeful and optimistic and pull out the themes of inclusion and decency that are there in the original movie, but they're buried under an avalanche of snark and uh, despair and emotional disconnect. Like mm -hmm. a good example is in the original movie, one of the uh, indelible images is when Veronica is frustrated by the fact that she has been tricked into murder uh, by her boyfriend, JD, she takes a cigarette and she burns it into her own hand because she can't engage. She can't connect. And then JD very insistently takes the cigarette, goes to her hand and basically lights a cigarette off of her burning palm, mm -hmm. which is cool if you're a teenager, but it's <laughs> a very nihilistic sort of, uh, unproductive emotional gesture. Mm -hmm. That same moment in the stage play is a very heartfelt plea to JD to say, you know what? I accept that you're damaged. I accept that we both have made mistakes in our lives. Let's accept that about ourselves. Let's move forward and let's try to be normal kids because I'm going to sell you JD this fantasy that we can be 17. We can do normal shit like seeing crappy movies and eating chili fries and going bowling and going to the prom together. It's okay for us to be, banal and normal. We don't have to be these gods who are deciding whether bad people live or die. Mm. Doesn't the idea of a future of that with me, doesn't that sound appealing to you? And to JD, it does. And the problem is he's so broken by his upbringing that he can't fulfill that promise to her that they make at the end of the song. And it's, it's like 60 seconds before he fires a gun again. Mm -hmm. And that's what ultimately breaks them up on our show. But so it's a very, it's a very different, um, it's a very different emotional dynamic because the audience throughout our act two is really, really hoping that JD will get it together because they're going to see the glimmers of humanity. And at the very end of the show, uh, in the, at the very end of the show, JD actually tells Veronica that he does love her. And ultimately when he sees that she's going to let herself get blown up because she feels so guilty, he takes the onus off her, he takes the responsibility, and he takes the bomb away from her and walks away. But when he does it in our version, it's a gesture of love and sacrifice because he wants her to go on and heal and 
have her dream of being normal. Mm-hmm. And to, for that to happen, he's got to get out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And he's got to basically eliminate himself so she's not associated with the Columbine kid. Uh, in the movie, they end as wary adversaries and she stands there and lights a cigarette while she watches him immolate himself. Yeah. And it's a very different, very nihilistic, very, uh, you know, very dark thing. Now it's awesome. And I love the movie, <laughs> but for musical theater, we've tried to build the emotion and build the love story so that you don't have this harrowing, dark, miserable time in the, in, in, in the, in the theater. Yeah. Well, and not just musical theater, but like you said, a different context, 25 years later. Yes. You know, so, uh, I have three more questions for you. Okay. <clears throat> the first one, it actually comes from uh, my co-host, Trevor, um, and he's an actor and a, and a writer uh, as well, and he's produced some uh, short films and things, and he really was interested to know, with everything that you have going on, not just in your brain, but in your world, uh, in your professional career, being that you are a writer, a producer, a showrunner, uh, you're a lyricist, you're here in the room with us working on this musical with, you know, we have this theory, he and I have this theory that human beings only have a finite amount of attention units. And like, let's say we get like a hundred per day and we can spend those on, you know, like currency on the things that we put our focus on. So we're just curious how you do it essentially. Like where do you choose to put your focus? Do you delegate a lot? Did that cause you to learn, you know, a lot about trusting other people? Do you, you know, do you, um, you know, I see you in the back sometimes on your laptop looking at, uh, you know, stuff coming in from Toronto that you're not a part of or, or coming from LA that you're not necessarily there for, but you're working on it here. So you're sort of like, have your, a lot of irons in the fire, essentially, and, and how you kind of keep your focus and make sure that everything that you're putting out is um, sort of worthy of what you consider to be, you know, your, your, your stamp of approval. What I try to do is when my attention is on the thing in front of me, it has all my attention. Hmm. Now, in reality, that's not the case. There's always some little part of problem solving that goes on in the back of your head. And, in, you know, I think we've all had that experience where an inspiration will like, hit you when you're in the shower. And, of course, you're in a position to write anything down. Uh, that you that I don't let myself get overwhelmed because I know that I've got to watch you know, to watch a cut for Defiance and I have to listen to some MIDI tracks from Bear McCreary for scoring. And I know that I've got a pitch that I've got to do when I, when I go back for, you know, um, you know, to the network or something. And then I have to deal with Heather's rehearsal. Well, when I'm at Heather's rehearsal, I deal with that. And now if everyone's stopping down and they're playing piano and I'm not needed, then great. Then I'll put on my head headphones and then I will spend a half hour and I'll focus on my cut for Defiance. And at that point, if somebody needs me for Heather's, they can come shake me, but I'm not paying attention to what's going on in Heather's because there's nothing going on that is immediately requiring my attention. I think mm-hmm. that there's a there, there's sort of a hubris that can be very dangerous in the idea that nothing can go on without you there and watching over it because that's where you kind of go from being an attentive landlord mm-hmm. to being a Nuji micromanager. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I will make a choice to like, if you guys are doing a run through, uh, I will take my notepad and leave it behind and just sit and watch it because it's a point where, you know what, this isn't necessarily the time for notes. This is the time 
to let everyone build their muscle memory and I'm not going to give notes right now. Uh, and I may wait to do notes, you know, you know, for, you know, a, a week because I, because I, I don't think it's the right time and I, and I don't, and so that, for, and for that reason, I just kind of sit and I just, I watch it. I'm an audience member. And then I think about it and I'm like, oh, you know what? The one thing that bugged me. And then I may have, I may have in my head that could, could, a moment that didn't quite feel truthful. And if it's important enough that I remember it without having written it down as a note, then it's probably a significant problem. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I'll, I'll deal, you know, I'll deal, I'll deal with that. But I think it's about learning to sort of train yourself to let things go train yourself to focus on the things that are important and building the uh, wisdom and serenity to understand the difference between which one you need to do at which, at, at, at which moment. Because I, I, I have a lot of people that I, that are, I know and respect and love creatively, but that exhaust themselves mm-hmm. and make themselves into crazy neurotic nervous wrecks, you know, because they don't have that, because they don't have that ability. And because they micromanage and because they make themselves crazy and they stress and, they, and their stomach gets in knots about a problem that's happening at work. And I try very hard not to do that. I also, like, I'm, I'm hard to get in touch with, uh, like, when I'm home and I'm not, like, here in a strange place, like, when I'm back home in L.A., once it's, like, you know, 6.30 and it's time to put my kid to bed, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm dealing, I'm dealing, with, I'm dealing with my family and I usually just turn off the phone. Yeah. But we get our work done between 10 and 6 and then everybody on my staff unless there's an emergency, everybody's home. Everyone's out of there at six. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've managed to stick to that rule for long enough now that it's, I think I can consider it a rule. <laughs> Second nature, at least. Um, great. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, the last two questions are, mm-hmm. are two questions that we ask all of our guests. It's uh, sort of like the uh, inside the actor studio thing, except I'm not going to ask you what your favorite curse word is. Um, the first one is Thomas Samantha. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> the first one is: Do you believe that this industry, this business, this career path chose you, or do you believe that you chose it? Um, I chose it. I'm sorry, that's a boring answer. It's not a boring <laughs> answer. It's not a boring but answer. But I mean, literally. Do you have any? I mean, literally, I did. Um, you know, I. Like, I, I didn't, a, a lot of people will go and they'll, they'll work on a set at the PA and they'll try to get the lay of the land. I actually made a specific decision. I want to, what I really want to do is be a lyricist, but I don't want to pursue that because I don't trust my ability to do that. Uh, I like the idea of being a lawyer, but I don't want to have to relearn Algebra 2 to take the LSATs because that seems kind of shitty. So I want to be a TV writer. And then I got my college roommate to do it with me and that's what we ended up doing and sometimes uh, it's about taking that risk and that bet on yourself that you can do what you know that, that you might be able to do the thing that you set out to do but you have to put yourself in a position where it's going to happen you have to actually take action and uh, like this is going back to, to Kristen Bell. Like uh, when she was doing Read for Madness, she was she really wanted to pursue a career in TV and film. And she talked to Andy and I a lot about it. And you know, we said, "Well, you're going to have to come out to Los Angeles." And she was terrified to do that because she didn't know anyone in Los Angeles. Said, "Well, you know us." And she ended up uh, 
you know, living in my guest room for like the first six months of her time in Los Angeles. And she would get up in the morning and if she didn't have auditions, she would go to Andy's work and she would hang out with Andy and everyone at work and be her, you know, charming, awesome self. And by the time six months had gone by, she then was getting enough work that she had to go travel to the young location because she was getting big parts because she's brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, she never would have done that if she hadn't actually changed it up, left New York and tried it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, you know, the, the, I guess if there's any sort of like fortune cookie advice in there, it's, uh, number one, go to where you have to be to do the thing you want to do. And if you're as awesomely talented as Kristen Bell, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's that's sound advice, uh, and I think you may have already started ask, uh, answering this, the final question, or not, which is if you could take all of your experience now being in the business for uh, the number of years that you have, if you could take all of your experiences and your learns, your big learns, and kind of boil them down to one nugget of advice, what would that nugget be? Don't worry so much. It's very easy to be where I am now and not worry, but I have not always been quite as zen about it. And I think that uh, a lot of people who work in the you know the, the creative uh, art slash commerce world uh, are ruled by fear. And I think that much like the hypothetical advice I gave hypothetical actors earlier about when you come into an audition room, don't be scared. Don't try to micromanage it. I think the same thing goes for people who are on the other side. It's like if you live in fear of what the network's going to think, if you live in fear about what the studio is going to, uh, you know, uh, fire you, if you live in fear about, you know, whether your show's going to get canceled, about whether someone's going to throw you out of the show, you're, you, you may make yourself such a nervous wreck that people don't like to be around you. So I think that's, uh, I think that would probably be the advice I would bundle up. Just looking at my own flaws. I love that. I think that there's a lot in there for a lot of different people because one of the things that we've discovered just from doing the podcast and, and interviewing people and talking to people is that actors sometimes think that we're the only ones who are afraid that we're never going to work again. You know, and it's like everybody has this fear that they're going to... Oh, you're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> has this fear that you're never going to work again or that you'll be fired. Or that, you know, all the fears that you just that you just mentioned. So um, I, I think that's beautiful. Um, thank you so much, Kevin, for, for, for being on the show. If people want to find out more about you in particular, do you have a web... I mean, you know, obviously Heather's is happening uh, right I, now. I guess go to the, weather, go to the Heather's website. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have my own website, and I've got a Reefer Madness website, uh, ReeferMadness.org, that I haven't updated in the last <laughs> uh, like eight or nine years. <laughs> but you're on uh, you're on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm on um, I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm at uh, Kevin Murphy HC. I'm indeed on Facebook, and if you uh, Facebook me, I I I would like I will uh, I, I will be your friend. <laughs> there you go, Kevin Murphy, everybody's friend. Um, Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. 
Hope you enjoyed part two of my chat with uh, Kevin Murphy. Uh, such a neat guy. I love Kevin. He's so cool. Um, being able to, to be in this process with him has been has been amazing. He's one of those people who is just like so brilliant. He's really, really smart, like intelligent smart. I always think it's amazing when someone that intelligent ends up using their, those those powers, <laughs> that superpower <laughs> for uh, art, for the entertainment industry, for something creative. And I say that you know in contrast to you know, I don't know being an engineer or a biologist or or, some, or a doctor or something like that. Like his intelligence is brought to bear in a lot of different ways at the same time like he'll sit in the back of rehearsal and giggle when someone lands one of his jokes in the show you know like it's just i don't know how to describe it but it's just this brilliant alchemy of 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 human being and uh, i'm so grateful to um be in this process with him and then also grateful to him for coming on our show yeah of course i really enjoyed both of these interviews man so Thanks for uh, bringing them to us. Good, I'm glad. I uh, it, it was it was an odd experience being uh, being solo on an interview. It's been a very long time since that uh, since that has happened. So, you know, now we have access to a whole new pool of talented, interesting people to interview because I'm here in New York. Yes, yes, I'm really excited. Really excited for what's coming up, man. Pick of the week, man. What do you got? So my pick of the week was, I also need to give credit where credit is due. This was um, something that was discovered by uh, uh, Jasmine, but it's called Digital Theater. And they're at digitaltheater.com. That's theater with an R-E. The concept's very simple, but it completely blew my mind when, uh, when she found it. Uh, I think she found it on YouTube because they were advertising on YouTube. And for all, any Doctor Who fans out there, David Tennant, who um, is the second doctor of the new series, we did a production of Much Ado About Nothing with uh, with Catherine Tate, actually, who was uh, in an episode of Doctor Who in season two or three, season three. Anyway, that's how she found it, because it came up as an advertisement on YouTube. But basically what it is, it is a collection of the best of British theater, and it could be theater, musicals, ballet, opera, um, there's even some documentaries on there. It's literally like Apple TV prices, so you can rent something for four pounds, which is probably like six bucks, and and watch all of these amazing plays, musicals, operas, ballet from British theater. They even have in their Shakespeare section uh, a bunch of plays from the Old Globe that were filmed at the at the Old Globe. Yeah. So it is just the, this incredible collection of of theater from from London from London from 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 uh, the UK. They've got a section where they have um, a list of their theater partners, like the people that the, the theaters that are actually working with them and, and sort of contributing content to the site. Um, and the list is unbelievable. And like, you know, it starts out with the globe, the Royal court, the young Vic, what are some of the other Gate famous theater. ones here. Um, yeah. RSC, 
National Jewish Theater. So this is um, essentially uh, a, a collection of professionally filmed theatrical productions. Yes. That you can yes. rent slash buy. Yes, thank you for uh, being able to put it in a in a in a more concise way than I was. Um, wow. Yeah, you can rent you can rent them, you can buy them, you can gift them to people. So if you if you know a friend of yours or a family member really likes a particular Shakespeare yeah. play and you want to like give them the RSC or Globe production of it, you can gift things. In the upper right hand corner, for any of our listeners who are on their computer currently looking at it. There's a thing that allows you to change oh, cool. the currency from the British pound yeah. to the U.S. dollar so that you can see the um, prices in U.S. dollars as opposed to, uh, this is really as opposed cool. to British pound. This is really, really cool, man. I'm looking at it yeah. right now, and this, they've got a lot on here, and it looks like this is... I'm definitely going to be taking a, a closer look at this. This is really cool. It even has a little link at the bottom. It says available on the app store. So there must be an app of some kind to browse their library. Wow, yeah. And, well, and I mean, I can imagine... I can imagine a situation where you might want to watch, uh, you know, something like this on a on a on an iPad or, or something yeah. like that. So it's, it's like um, the Netflix of, <clears throat> of theater, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I, granted, it's it's just a uh, British theater for for right now, but but yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, I I just can't believe that something like this exists. It it, it just completely blew my mind, and it I, I don't know if there's any resources like this for other areas of the world but um if there are and our listeners know about it please let us know but i would love to have a, a, a sort of collection of these websites to be able to watch this kind of content i mean it's just it's just amazing i can't yeah. wait to to rent or buy one of these things and watch it yeah talk about inspiration man that's really mm. cool good find yeah. i really dig that yeah so my pick of the week is uh decidedly digital as well Decidedly digital. That sounds like a documentary or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, nice, nice alliteration. That's yeah. the segue. That's the segue from talking about Shakespeare. Yeah, right. Decidedly digital. Just a random alliteration. I like it. Uh, and I get to give a hat tip to to Mr. Ben Whitehair for this one. Um, he sent us an email with a link to something called Inbox Pause. And Ben is um, one of the things I really admire about him is how productivity oriented he is he's very much by his own admission a doer he's somebody who very who tends to focus in life a lot on the doing of things which is a really great strength to have one thing he is really places a high priority on is is just kind of i guess what david allen would call operating from zero which is basically operating from zero base is, is essentially like making sure that when something comes into your life, whether it's a piece of physical mail or a voicemail or an email or some new input of some kind to put into a system and like basically clear your plate so that you know you'll see that thing when you need to see it. And so you just kind of go back to a zero base. Your inbox is empty again. So this thing called inbox pause that he sent to me or sent to us rather is essentially like a, a plugin for Gmail that basically holds your email in a in a label that you can choose to hide and only delivers it at times that you can set. And this is great because I'm somebody who struggles struggles with kind of like compulsive email checking. I'm sure many 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 of us do. And so now I I just I I basically forward all my mail from my 
uh, main email account to my Gmail account. So I'm still actually able to use my main email account and send email from that without actually telling everybody I'm switching over to Gmail. And I'm using inbox pause to only deliver my email to my inbox at set times. So at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. In between those times, I don't receive email. So it really is wow. freeing up a lot of energy from me um, responding to emails. And then as I'm responding, a new email comes in. Uh, so I got to respond to that. Like that doesn't happen anymore. I, if I check my email when it's not those times, I don't have any new email. And so my energy is free to focus on other things. And I just love that I can control that input with this thing. So it's a free wow. plugin for uh, Gmail. It's not perfect. Like there are, I think, bugs in it. And they even admit to having bugs in it and stuff and give you some ways to fix things if you come across bugs. But uh, inboxpause.com is the website. And I'm really digging it, man. It's just one of those little productivity hacks that I think can make a big difference in, in people's lives and is definitely shifted my world in a big way so if there's one thing ben whitehair knows it's systems that's that's pretty stellar that's yeah. pretty stellar <clears throat> and I'll, and also a um a great reminder of what you're saying trev about um not being slave to the notification yes yeah <laughs> yeah I actually turned off all my notifications on my phone as well and my phone's in um not sleep mode but like night mode Almost all the yeah, do not disturb mode. Almost all the time now, Mm -hmm. so that way it's like I get to choose when I want to check it rather than constantly being interrupted by. And when I check it every time, I've got like twenty new notifications. I turned a lot of them off, and now I just check it when I'm ready to check it. (laughs) And my life is a lot more zen and peaceful. It's great. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Do you want to introduce our listener pick of the week? Yeah, we also got a listener pick from uh, listener Deborah Smith, who I believe is uh, one of our Aussie listeners, coming in from uh, from from Australia there. And uh, sh- her listener pick, I mean, she sent us a YouTube link, but her listener pick really is just uh, uh, Sherlock, the man with the most amazing name on the planet, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, version that's coming out of the UK. If anyone's a fan of Elementary. Uh, which is sort of the U.S. version. I don't want to take anything away from uh, that show, but Sherlock is better. Um, <laughs> I Subtle. I started watching it uh, recently. Deborah is absolutely correct. It is unbelievably good. It's amazing, amazing television. It it actually, it, you know, what it does is it puts to shame all of our procedurals here, like all the CSIs and the uh, you know. Uh, NCISs and all that, like they've become so I don't know prolific that they're that they're they're it's sort of becoming watered down and lazy and it it, it really puts to shame all of those procedurals uh, because it's the characters are interesting. There's comedy that you know that subtle British comedy. There's uh, drama. The acting is superb. So I'm with uh, I'm with you, uh, Deborah, on this. Um, in her email. She sent us a, a specific YouTube link of, of one of the characters' monologues, but I'm just going. I'm just going to, you know, vouch for the, the the show itself and 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 say what an amazing, amazing show it is. <laughs> cool, it's really good. Cool, definitely. So there's um, there's a lot to uh, to take a look into here with these pick of the week picks of the week. Yeah, this and week. two out of three of them are coming to us from uh, the uh, Australia, the great, great, well, uh, Great Britain. Oh yeah, Australians. Yeah, yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Australians, Australians telling us about British 
stuff. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right on. There it is. Right on. Cool. Um, speak, speaking of good shows, uh, we're about to wrap this up, but I did want to mention this on the podcast. We've been getting some, or I've been getting uh, e- some emails and some Facebook messages from our listeners who are um, in New York uh, asking me about uh, the show and whatnot. And I thought that just mentioning it on the podcast would be a great way to kind of get the word out to everyone uh, at once. I would love, love, love for any of our listeners who are in New England to come see to come see the show, obviously, as a value add for our IAP family. Um, I have a family or friends and family discount code that I can I'm absolutely willing to give to any one of our listeners. I, de- I definitely consider you all family. The discount code only works for previews. And we start previews on March 15th and run through March 30th. So those two weeks is um, when the discount code is good for it. Now, obviously, if you can't make it in those two weeks, I still would love for you to come see the show. So reach out to me on, on Facebook or Twitter. Reach out to the podcast through our email, whatever you know method is easiest for you. And let me know that you want to come see the show. I'll give you the discount code. Just let me know uh, when you're coming. Uh, how many tickets, all of that good stuff. Um, I would love to, you know, meet our, our, our listeners. It's always one of my favorite things. Um, all of you in the, in the Bay area who came to see my and men and, and those of you who have come to Los Angeles to support Trevor and myself in the Los Angeles theater ensemble. It's been a um, very humbling experience, but, uh, anyway, just wanted to take a, a, a moment to let everyone know at once and uh, I'll also be posting something in our in our Facebook group in the next uh, day or two. Yes, if you guys are in New York, go check it out. I've, I unfortunately have not seen this show, but I hear wonderful things. And uh, perhaps I will find my way to New York in the coming months to see it, AJ in action in person. You know, you know who's coming. I wouldn't mention this on the podcast if it wasn't podcast related. But you know who's coming to the show next week? Two IAP alums now. Caduce, Philippe, and Alexis Carra, who are obviously a couple for those of you who have been listening to the podcast know that, but um, they're coming out to New York for a week uh, or a few days in a couple weeks, and they're gonna, they've are gonna they already bought their tickets, and uh, uh, I'm really excited to see them. That's so cool. Right on, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sweet. So I think that does it then for episode 135 of Inside Acting. Uh, Lots of ways for anybody listening to this to get in touch with us on the podcast, support us. Um, If you feel so inclined, spread the word. Uh, Start by going to our website, insideactingpodcast.com or uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 213-2-ACTORS. I still can't believe we got that phone number, but 213-222-8677. Leave us a voicemail with questions, comments, bribes, uh, threats, mom jokes, anything you'd like, really. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're on Twitter uh, at Inside Acting. Uh, We're also on there individually. I'm Trevor Algott, your digital digital actor best twitter handle ever and god what else can they do rate us on itunes and itunes if, and activate like, and yeah. and uh and also uh you know head over to our website and donate uh to the podcast by using our our donate button 
over there to help uh, keep the wheels on this bus at Norby Coastal Mouse. So that makes things a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And hence, then, hence uh, the 6 a.m. Saturday morning <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. podcast episodes. I definitely acknowledge Trevor for, for getting up earlier than, than uh, I would have. I'm glad I moved east instead of west. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, Trevor. It's too early. Hey, man. Um, anything for the show. I, that's right. Yes, we have done some crazy things for this show. Uh, and the, the other thing that we don't tend to mention at the end of the episode that I wanted to mention this time is word of mouth. You know, rating us on iTunes and Activated is, is fantastic. And what will also help us out is um, it's really just telling your friends about the show. It's been a long time since we've, we've said that, we've mentioned that. But, you know, word of mouth is the most powerful form of quote-unquote advertising. And um, it would really support us um, in uh, in spreading the message and uh, growing the movement. If uh, if you could, uh, you know, just tell your tell your friends to to take a listen. You know, say tell them you know listen to two episodes. Maybe if they if you know that they'll enjoy a particular guest or something, point them in that direction. Um, and uh, you know, maybe we can get them get them get them hooked and get them part of the uh, to be part of the community here. Absolutely. And I should also just say quickly, we're very open to feedback. So if uh, if you're thinking, yeah, I would tell my friends, guys, but I wish you would change such and such. Uh, let us know what that such and such is. We are totally, Always. we totally want to make this uh, a really great resource for people. So uh, don't be shy. Uh, our feelings are not that easily hurt. So uh, let it rip via email, via voicemail, or any other way to uh, to kind of communicate whatever it is that you want to to us. So I think that does it then for episode 135. For our uh, technical producer, Cesar Camino, and our production coordinator, Jen Levin, working magic behind the scenes, I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, come see my show! This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VOTogogo.com the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VOtogogo.com slash start for a free Getting Started in VoiceOver online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VOtogogo.com slash start.